0: And if it doesn't, well, you got a problem. You know, if you know Jesus and you know you've got the promise of heaven, it ought to bring a joy to your heart and your life. And uh, we rejoice in the fact that he has gone to prepare a place for all of us who know him as our Lord and Savior. Take your Bibles and turn once again with me to the book of James. This Sunday and two weeks from today, we'll finish up our study Uh, that we've been in. Today is the 16th week. We've been in the book of James. Uh, We'll look at verses 13 to 15 in just a moment. The title of the message today is The Power of Prayer. The Power of Prayer. And while you're turning there, let me make a couple of quick announcements, if I could. Uh, I do want to call attention in your bulletin this morning to a uh, notice that the pulpit Uh, uh, pulpit search committee has put in there please read that don't do it while I'm preaching please but after the service uh, you can read that make sure you uh, get that Uh, secondly um, I do want to just remind you this next Tuesday I shouldn't have to remind you but I will uh, you have the privilege of voting and as a citizen of the United States of America it is a privilege for us I think it's our God-given responsibility as a believer. The Bible makes it clear we're to render unto Caesar uh, that which belongs to Caesar and unto God that which belongs to God. Our vote belongs to Caesar. And uh, so you exercise that vote. You pray about how you vote. I hope you will vote as closely to biblical standards as you possibly can. I realize there's no perfect candidate uh, ever but uh, you pray and ask god what he would have you do and then you vote accordingly and then thirdly uh next sunday i will be away i'm doing something i haven't done in a while and churches don't do revival meetings too often, at least uh, in this part of the world anymore. But I'm going to the First Baptist Church of Jackson, South Carolina, to do a four-day revival for them and uh, have the privilege of sharing that. And next Sunday, uh, here in the pulpit, a good friend of mine, Brian Alexander, will be preaching for you. Brian served our Georgia Baptist Convention for many, many years now, works with Southern Church Consulting, And he uh, will—he'll be—he's a great preacher. He'll bring a great word uh, to you next Sunday morning. Uh, James five verses thirteen to eighteen, the power of prayer. If you'll stand with me as we read our text, stand with me in honor of God's word. I'll read our verses out loud, and you follow along there in your copy of the Bible. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? he is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly and that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again. And the sky poured rain. And the earth produced its fruit. Lord thank you for these words today and as we have looked at these verses all throughout this great book of James Lord our prayer has been that you give us understanding Lord let us hear your word but not just hear it may it take root in our hearts and our lives may it help to mature us in our walk with you and Lord may we apply it by walking in obedience so we ask that same thing this morning Lord take these words speak them to our hearts Give us a mind to understand, give us a heart to receive, give us a will to obey, and we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As you read through these six verses that I just read, James deals with two key topics. He deals with the topic of prayer, and he deals with the topic of healing. But the the primary topic that he deals with is that of prayer. And that's his focus in this section of verses. We know that because of what he says in verse 16. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Seven times in this passage that I just read to you, James mentions prayer or praying in one fashion or the other. And while these verses do deal with the topic of healing, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, the primary focus is that of prayer And pray. By the way, and I'm not going to do this this morning, uh, as I told the early worship service this morning, I could just about go back through this book again and preach through it again and not deal with the same material that I shared before. There's so much truth in James. Uh, we could, uh, we could just go look at it again. And and in these verses this morning, even though I'm not going to deal specifically with this, I believe one of the things that James does in this section of verses is give us some of the primary characteristics that ought to be true of a New Testament church. In fact, he gives us three such characteristics. I believe James tells us here, New Testament church should be a praying church jesus talked about the importance of prayer in the life of his house his house is to be known as a house of prayer a new testament church should be a singing church he talks about praising and by the way without getting into that a whole lot this morning let me say this to you the theme of this book james of james is that of maturity and i think he speaks of this matter of singing in, in this light. if you're maturing in your faith it ought to delight your heart to sing In fact, if you're growing in Christ and if you're maturing in your your walk with the Lord Jesus, there ought to be a song in your heart. You might be like me, that you make a joyful noise when you sing it. But regardless, when God is working in your heart, deep inside, the outward expression is always going to be that of praising. And when God is working in a fellowship of, of his people, you'll notice it in how the people sing they will be a praising people. So a New Testament church ought to be a praying church. It ought to be a singing church. And then he tells us here, I think a New Testament church ought to be a healing church. Spiritual healing. Physical healing. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Here, his emphasis, though, we're going to focus on is that of prayer. So let's walk down these verses and see what we can learn this morning about this topic of prayer. Number one, first of all, the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer, verses 13 down through verse 16. Uh, Again, he deals with this topic of prayer. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must what? He must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He's just seeing. Is If one among you is sick, he must call for the elders of the church. And what are they to do? They are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer, there it is again, offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up if he's committed sins. They will be forgiven him. The, the focus here of all of these verses is that of prayer. And prayer is one of those focuses all through the book of James. He doesn't deal with it specifically. Most of the time, he kind of deals with it in a roundabout way. But you'll remember all the way in the first chapter, the opening verses of James, he talked about how we're to respond when trials come our way. And then immediately after talking about trials and our response to trials, he tells us that if we lack wisdom in understanding the trials, we're to ask God for wisdom. Now, what is asking God? It's prayer. He reminds us, if you want to understand the purposes of God, even when you're walking through trials, you find out God's mind in prayer. He focuses on prayer at the very beginning. Even last week, we talked about Job, and we talked about his suffering, and we talked about the prophets and all that they went through. And then immediately coming out of that, Those verses about understanding the troubles the prophets and Job went through and our need for patience, he comes right back to these verses on praying. In fact, James puts an emphasis on prayer and he connects it with finding patience even in the midst of trials. What do you need when you're walking through difficult times? Well, you need God's mind, you need God's heart, you need God's wisdom. You find that in prayer and once again in these verses even dealing with those that were sick within the fellowship he deals with this priority of prayer so when you're suffering hardship when you're going through trying times when our patience is being put to the test when we need wisdom to know what God's trying to teach us through our trials and even when we are sick in body James tells us that we need to pray, And the reason for this is because we better understand what God is trying to teach us through our trials and through our sufferings when we seek God in prayer. And it's through prayer that we find the grace we desperately need from God to endure those difficult times when they come our way. One person put it this way once, prayer may not remove the affliction but it most certainly can transform it. That's the priority of prayer that James is talking about here in these verses. Now, he specifically relates prayer uh, in the first part of these verses to uh, healing, to this matter of being sick. Uh, These are interesting verses. They are much misunderstood verses. These are verses that most Baptists stick their head in the sand over they act like these verses aren't in the Bible. In fact, we don't want to talk about these verses because we might be seen Pentecostal, we might be charismatic. So instead of dealing with them, we just want to ignore them. Well, I got news for you. You can't ignore God's word. God put it here for a purpose. And I'll tell you the purpose. He put it here in case you get sick so you can get healed. If you want to ignore them, it's up to you. But those who want to walk by faith had better learn the truth Behind them. So I'm not going to deal with the whole matter of healing this morning, but I am going to deal with these verses for just a second. So let's talk about it. First of all, we have very explicit and clear instructions here as what to do when a believer is sick. And by the way, the believer must really be sick. We're not talking about a stump toe or a headache here. The Greek word that is used for sick literally means without strength in other words this is a believer who has a very serious sickness that has to depra- deprive them of their strength and I want you to notice what this sick person is to do let him or her let the sick person call for the elders of the church James makes it clear. The sick person must take the initiative and call on the elders of the church. The sending and the calling for the elders begins with the person who is sick. And I would point out, too, who are they to call? They're to call on the elders. Now, that phrase has been debated and discussed. There are some who think this phrase is referring to those who are the spiritually mature in the church. In other words if you're sick call on the spiritual mature to come and pray for you that's a possible explanation there are others who believe it's literally talking about the office of the elder that churches are to have or at least they should have in their structure again We Baptists sometimes don't like talking about things because it might seem Presbyterian or something else. But the Scriptures are clear that there are to be elders in the local church. You're to call upon them to come and pray for the person who is sick. Then secondly, please know what the elders are to do once they have been called. They are to pray over the sick person, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord literally this verse translates in this manner pray for him having anointed him with oil the elders must pray for the sick person as they anoint them with oil well you got to ask what's the meaning of the oil and what does it have to do with healing well i'll answer that for you the best i can but let me do with that by way of silliness if i could uh, you don't need to raise your hand. This is a rhetorical question. How many of you ever couldn't sleep at night and you lay to the bed, tossing and turning as long as you could, and finally about 2.30 after you've not been able to go to sleep, you said, forget this. I, I, I'll, I'll get up and go watch TV. And then at 2.30 in the morning, you get your TV remote and you start flipping through channels. Anybody ever found anything worth watching at 2.30 in the morning? I mean, it's pretty pretty bad it's bad anytime anyway but 2 30 in the morning you 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 either see a whole lot of info commercials or you see a bunch of wackos okay and uh, one morning this this happened to me I was I couldn't sleep uh, I don't that doesn't happen to me often I usually don't have any problem sleeping but on this particular occasion I got up um, and sure enough went back to my office and turned on my TV and I was flipping through channels And um, I finally, in the process of surfing, channel surfing, saw a preacher that took the cake. I mean, buddy, this one took the cake. He had people on his program who had called in to order a quote, his blessed green money anointing oil. And here was the deal. If you would call in and get his oil, of which you could receive as you gave a generous offering to his ministry, then you could, according to him, anoint yourself with his green, blessed green money anointing oil and expect God to financially bless you and you could look for your green money to soon be coming your way. Unbelievable. And what's unbelievable about that to me is two things. Number one, that there are heretics like that on the TV that call themselves a preacher and they do foolishness like that. And folks, let me just tell you, if you watch anybody like that, let me recommend doing something. Turn them off. Turn them off. He's driven by greed. He's not, number one, He biblically doesn't know what he's talking about. Secondly, he wants your money. That's all he wants. But what's even more amazing to me that there are preachers who will do that on TV. What's more amazing to me is that there are people who will follow those preachers. And they will send in their money because they want their blessed green money anointing oil. Anybody in here ever tried it? Huh? You wouldn't admit it if you did, would you? I hope not. Because of people like that. Things like this we we ignore sometimes. Or we think it's foolish. Again, with Baptists, if you even talk about anointing somebody with oil, we, we just, it's just, boy, that's weird. I don't know about that. It shouldn't be weird. Hey, listen to me, church. God has very clear, specific instructions what is to be done when a person is seriously sick. What's the meaning of the oil here? Well, some say it was actually a type of medicine and the anointing of the oil was probably some type of a reference to a medical treatment. But I think uh, that is not true. And I'll tell you why I don't think that's true. If that had been so, then the exhortation here would have been to call the doctors and not the elders. Call the elders. Anoint them with oil. One person explained it this way. The anointing was an act of dedication and consecration. It is evident from other verses that anointing with oil in the name of the Lord was an act of dedication and consecration, implying on the part of the one anointed a full surrender to God of his or her total being. And the oil itself was a symbol of the Holy Spirit in his healing power oftentimes the oil was a picture of the holy spirit in scripture so what's the purpose of anointing with oil on the one hand it's the person who's being anointed saying hey I I totally submit myself to God I come under his lordship I yield myself I consecrate myself totally to the Lord Jesus that's part of the meaning and as a person is anointed with oil, the oil is representative of the person of the Holy Spirit who does the healing. In fact, let me, let me just say this to you this morning. There is only one healer and his name is Jesus. He's the great healer. There's no such thing as faith healers. I don't have the power to heal. You don't have the power to heal. Even to those who God gives the gift of healing to. It's not them that have that power. It's God working through them that has the power to heal. The anointing is a picture of our calling upon the Lord Jesus who is powerful to heal. You do believe Jesus heals, don't you? If you don't believe that, let's quit church. Let's let's don't pray for any more sick people if we don't believe Jesus can heal. Here, very clear, specific instructions what to do. Acts 10, verse 38 tells us this. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was With him, The anointing with oil was a symbolic picture of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit who now does the work of Jesus on this earth. Jesus and only Jesus is the great healer. And having anointed the sick person with oil, the elders were to pray for the sick person. And this is how they're to pray, in faith. In other words, they were to pray, believing God for the sick person's physical healing. That's what James tells us here. Thirdly, note what the results of the prayer will be when anointing, when the anointing has been real and the person who is sick has made a full surrender of themselves to God. James says, the prayer of faith shall save him that is sick. The prayer of faith of the elders joined with the prayer of faith of the one who is sick brings about Healing. Now, with that being said, let me say to you this morning, because this is not a, intended to even be a, a message on healing, I don't even begin to say I understand why God heals some and why God does not heal others. I do know this the Bible has a lot to say to us about healing, there are reasons for sickness. And because we live in a fallen world and we all live in a world that is dominated by sin, there will come, unless Jesus comes back and starts this whole thing over again, there's going to come a time that we will face a sickness unto death that no healing will save us from. But even that is healing because the moment you die in this body, you take your last breath on this earth and you wake up in heaven, guess what? You've got a brand new body. Healing has been made complete. There's healing any way you look at it for the believer in Jesus. But I don't understand why you can pray for some people and God heals them. Why he doesn't? Others. God only knows the answer to that. But I do know this. God has given us clear instructions. And if we would follow his instructions, there may well be that more people would get healed if they would simply believe God and do what God tells them to do. Hey, I have seen people prayed for like this and healed instantly. I've seen others who've been anointed and prayed for who've been healed over a period of time. And as I said a moment ago, ultimately everybody who's prayed for in that life gets healing, even if they die because they go to Jesus and he heals their body completely. James tells us he connects it though with this matter of prayer and he talks about the priority of prayer, even to a person who is sick and dying. That's the importance of prayer. That's the priority of prayer. Secondly, this morning, notice not only the priority of prayer, James talks about the power of prayer, The power of prayer. Verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him. And the prayer offered in faith. Faith is the power of prayer. Prayer offered in faith. Childlike faith in our God and in what God can do. Again, don't raise your hand. This is a rhetorical question. Have you ever prayed for somebody or prayed for yourself and you thought, even while you were praying, well, that don't do no good to pray for this person. It ain't going to help. Well, why are you wasting your breath? If you ever prayed for somebody to be healed and you, you're thinking as you're praying, well, they're probably not going to get better? James says the prayer of faith. Faith is the power of prayer. Jesus once said this, Mark 11:24. 24, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted to you. Matthew 21 verses 21 to 22 again Jesus he answered and said to them truly I say to you if you have faith and do not doubt you shall not only do what was done to the fig tree but even if you say to this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea it shall happen and then he says in all things you ask in prayer believing you shall receive. 1 John 5, 14 to 15, and this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we've asked from him. The power of prayer is faith. Faith is simply believing God, and God honors faith. Many times we don't have what we ask for because we just don't believe. Faith releases the power of God. I don't know who wrote this many years ago. I wrote it down and it's, it's a simple saying, but buddy, it's packed. They framed it this way once. We can pray, believe, and receive, or we can pray, doubt, and do without. Let me say that again. We can pray, believe, and receive, Or we can pray, doubt, and do without. The power of prayer is faith. Thirdly, James talks about in these verses the parameter of prayer. The parameter of prayer. This word parameter can in part be defined as a limit or boundary which defines the scope of a process or activity. So James deals with, as he's telling us to pray in faith and pointing out the importance of prayer, he deals with a boundary. He deals with a parameter that can hinder your prayer being answered. You could also, we were going to stay within the alliterated outline this morning, you could call it the problem of prayer. And here it is. It's the problem of sin. The problem of sin And right in the middle of these verses, as he talks about the importance and the priority of prayer, and he talks about the power of prayer being that of faith, he says this in the first part of verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Seems to be a little out of place to me, but he's right on target because he's dealing with a problem. If you... Have got unconfessed sin in your life? If you're not dealt with sin properly as a believer, God's not going to hear your prayer. You know, we, we think God is obligated to hear our prayer regardless of what it is, but that's just not so. Uh, a lost person. Do you know the only prayer that God's really going to hear and answer in the life of a lost person? You know what it is? Lord, save me. Save me. That's it. And until they get saved and have a relationship with God, their prayers don't go higher than the ceiling. And even in the life of a believer, there are certain things that have to be true. In my life, if I'm going to pray and have my prayers answered, one is faith. I have to ask believing. But there's also this matter of unconfessed sin. And I believe James touches on that here. Don't let unconfessed, undealt with sin block or hinder your praying. In Psalm 66 verse 18, the psalmist writes and he says these words, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now let me read that again. If I've got unconfessed, undealt with sin, if I regard wickedness, sinfulness in my life, God's not going to hear me. You pray all you want. But God's not listening. Isaiah put it this way. In Isaiah 59 verses 1 to 2. Behold. The Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save. Neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. In other words, you can't, you can't go live like the devil and expect God to hear your prayer. I remember many years ago. Uh, Rich, when we were using some of old Dawson McAllister's discipleship material for youth, you might not even know who Dawson McAllister uh, is. Um, I remember one of the lessons of the discipleship material for our youth were teaching um, youth, but teaching all of us, how to pray. And he was dealing with this principle of, of unconfessed sin, stopping our prayers from being heard and answered. And he, he, to illustrate it, there was a simple cartoon. I should have brought a copy of it and put it up on the screen. But there was a simple cartoon of a young boy uh, praying. He's, he's in his bedroom. He's kneeling at his bed. He's got his uh, hands clasped like this and his elbows on his bed. And he's wording uh, a prayer to God. And as he's saying his prayers, they have the words of his prayer going up towards heaven but on the top of the cartoon there at the ceiling there is written the words unconfessed sins unconfessed sins and as this boy is praying with unconfessed sin above him his prayers were hitting the ceiling and coming right back down to him and folks, I'm going to tell you what That's exactly what happens when you've got unconfessed sin in your heart and your life. You can pray, but God doesn't hear. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't put it any simpler than this. You're wasting your breath until you get your heart right with God. In fact, there's two dimensions to this matter of confessing sin. We must confess our sin to God. That's the obvious part. Boy, aren't you glad 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible? I am. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank, thank God that I can confess my sin to God and have my sin taken out of the way so that my prayers will be heard. But also it implies the fact that we must Confess our sin to others, as James is speaking of here. In other words, we must get right with other people when we're not right with them. Do do you realize how much your relationship with other people affects your prayer life? And when you're not right with others, you're not right with God. And when you're not right with God, God's not going to hear your prayer. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Jesus said, if therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar, go your way first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Why? Because you're wasting your time making a presentation to God. God won't accept it till you get your heart right with him. As long as you're not right with your brother, you're not right with God. Mark 11 verses 24 to 26, therefore I say to you, Jesus said, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them and they shall be granted to you. That's the power of faith in prayer. And then Jesus said, and whenever you stand praying, forgive, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father also in heaven may forgive you your trespass. A transgression but if you do not forgive neither will your father who is in heaven forgive you of your transgression confess your sin get your heart right that's the parameter of our prayer. a number of years ago uh, we were on a youth retreat down in Panama City Florida uh, it'd been uh, boy it'd just been a hard week there was no response from the youth It just kind of sensed God was not anywhere to be found at that camp. And all of a sudden, the power of God fell on that camp. I mean, kids started getting right with God. Kids got saved. Some of our adult counselors, in fact, one of the guys I had asked to go on as a counselor, uh, he was a school teacher during the summer. He was off during the summer, so I needed somebody to drive the van. He happened to get volunteered and he drove said he was a believer while we were at that camp johnny jones met jesus but he found out he'd been a church member but not a member of the family of god and he got saved and when johnny got saved let me just tell you johnny got saved radically radically changed his life in fact uh, johnny just recently retired as a pastor he's still pastoring a small church up in uh up in northeast georgia uh, god did a great work do you know where it began All of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to move in the hearts of these youth and some of our adults. And they started confessing their sin and started getting right with one another. And once they got right with one another and they got right with God, God fell on that place. He couldn't fall beforehand. Because if we keep our hearts dirty with sin, God says, I will not hear you the priority of prayer the power of prayer the parameter of prayer Uh, fourthly this morning look at the petition of prayer Uh, verse the middle part of verse 16 and pray for one another James says so that you may be healed ain't that interesting pray for one another so that you might be healed Now, we have a term for that. We call it intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is praying for one another. But here's the point that I think James is trying to make to his readers and to us. Listen carefully to me. Too many times we come to God with nothing more than a glorified shopping list for ourselves. And we focus on us. I mean, we get so involved with ourselves and our needs... That we don't ever think about praying for somebody else. James has already rebuked these people for such selfish praying. James 4 verses 1 to 3. And the exhortation here is to pray for other people and their need. Pray for one another. And I must admit, I don't totally understand all the connections between praying for others and God bringing healing to the sick person or the suffering person. But it's clearly taught here. Even in the case of Job, as James mentioned in verse 11, it was only after Job prayed for his friends that God brought healing to Job's life. And I think the point that God's trying to make is this as we mature in our life we get to the place we understand it's not just about us it's about a lot of other people and the more you grow in your walk with Jesus the more you understand yes it's important to pray for our own needs particularly when we're sick and we're asking God to bring healing but don't forget there's a world of people out there that needs praying for And maybe somehow in God's economy, he's trying to get us to get our attention off of ourselves and start praying for other people. And until we get to that place, we don't position ourselves where God can really work greatly in our hearts and our lives. Maybe he's trying to get you to take your eyes off you. There's a whole lot of other people out there hurting too. A whole lot of other people got needs besides you. And when you get right with God... You begin to understand just how many people really need praying for. So he reminds us here, pray for one another so that you may be healed. And then lastly, and uh, then I'll make an application. I'll close this morning. You find the product of prayer uh, verses the last part of verse 16 down through verse 18. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And then he used an example. And by the way, those of you who went with us to Israel, you remember, I think it was on our second day of touring we stood on the top of mount carmel where elijah would have stood and maybe this very event we're about to read about took place where we stood there not too long ago elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three and a half three years and six months and he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit and the point that James is making is simply this and he says it so clearly here the effective or the effectual prayer of a righteous person that is one person who is right with God can accomplish great and mighty things that's the product of prayer God moving greatly in your life because you've learned to pray. Prayer brings healing. Prayer brings forgiveness. Prayer brings about miracles. And James reminds us that prayer can do great things. Phillips Brooks once put it this way, prayer is not conquering God's reluctance, but taking hold of God's willingness and that's why Jeremiah the prophet once wrote in Jeremiah 33:3, call to me and I will answer you, God says, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. James says, the effective prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman can accomplish much for the kingdom of God. One quick word of application and we're praying. In fact, I'd apply it threefold for us this morning. Number one, no limit, no limit can be set on the power of prayer. Hey folks, as we as a church or as an individual believer begin to pray, we can see the mighty hand of God at work in our lives and in the life of our church. You know, we're, we're in a mess in this country. That's no, I don't have to tell y'all that, you know that. In fact, in my, I started to say 39 years of life, but I'd have to confess lying and get right because it's been. I used to say I was thirty-nine and holding. Now I'm say I'm fifty-nine and folding. But anyway, uh, it's kind of, kind of that. Way. Amen. Do I get an amen from anybody else out there. We're we're in a mess, and there's there's no political solution to our mess. I, I think there I think there's some ways politics can help. But that's not our answer. In fact, politics seems to have gotten us in this mess, in my opinion. What's the answer for America? Or is there any hope? I believe there's hope. I'll tell you where I believe that hope is found. It's found on the needs of God's people, interceding to God, asking God to move mightily in this country, crying out to God and declaring, God, if you don't do something, we're sunk. Will you move mightily in this world? that's the answer the effective prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much it doesn't take but one person but think about what it happens when a group of people take hold of God no limit can be set on the power of prayer secondly maturity is developed through prayer that's why James deals with it time and time again in this book in fact let me let me just put it to you this way you will never mature your walk with Jesus if you don't learn how to pray effectively Prayer is one of those key parts, one of those key elements that must be in place. One person put it this way once when they said no person is greater than his or her prayer life. And as we mature and as we grow, we'll see it demonstrated on our knees. And then I would say to all of us, I think the point James is making here is clear. We must devote ourselves to prayer. Paul put it that way in Romans 12:12 when he wrote the word, be devoted, give oneself entirely to this thing called prayer. That's why he writes. And I think that's why James ends he's got one more thing he's going to say to us but even that last thing is connected to prayer we'll talk about that in two weeks a word to the lost here this morning do you know how important prayer is to a lost person I said it a moment ago there's only one prayer God's going to hear of a lost person you know what it is it's the prayer of salvation the prayer when a sinner realizes that they're separated from a holy God but realizes that God loved them so much that they, he sent his only begotten son to die on an old sinner's cross, to shed his perfect blood so that you and I might be saved. And when that sinner sees their sin and they see God's gift of righteousness given to us in Jesus and how Jesus came to die for our sin, and he calls upon the name of the Lord. You know what that is? That's prayer. He calls upon the name of the Lord doesn't matter if they're five years of age or they're 95 years of age. God reaches down out of heaven. He touches their heart. He rescues them from the fires of hell. And he gives them the promise of eternal life. That's the power of prayer, even in the life of a lost person. Father, thank you for your word today thank you for your great work of grace in our hearts and our lives lord thank you for the privilege of prayer help us to be faithful to be men and women on our knees praying help us to realize that the effectual prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman can accomplish much in this world in which we live ourselves help us to be faithful to be men and women of prayer now lord for that person that might be in this building today who has never come to a time in their life when they have seen their sin and seen the Savior who can save them from their sins. And Lord, I pray for them this morning that they might see their need to even this day call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed in just a second, Lee's going to come and lead us in a hymn of commitment, a hymn of invitation. If you're here today and there's never been a time that you've given your heart and your life to Jesus, it's not a better place, better time than right here, right now. This is what I'd ask you to do as we stand and sing in a moment. Would you just make your way down front? I'll be standing here to receive those who come forward. You come take me by the hand and just say, Pastor Ken, I know I need to give my heart my life to Jesus. I need to be saved today. We'll have one of our staff members take you out in the back for a few moments and share with you from God's Word how you can give your heart and your life to Christ, how you can call upon the name of the Lord and find salvation, the promise of heaven today. Boy, don't delay. Don't let the devil confuse you. Don't let him uh, convince you to put it off. Lord, today is the day of salvation. You come. If God's knocking at your heart's door, don't ignore his call and his knocking this morning. And then Christian, when God spoke into your heart, boy, learn the power of prayer. This altar's open if you need to come this morning and pray. Father, we commit our time to you now. And even as we respond to what we've heard, help us to do it to your glory and honor. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, lead leads us in our singing, you respond as God has spoken to your heart today.